Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts, like me, examine the 1946 William Wyler directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives. One minute of screen time per episode. Decided to put weird pauses in there. I don't know. We'll see. It's the last one. I can only say it so many different ways. Uh, <clears throat> I am Murrin Kennedy from uh, Point Break Minute and the cast in The Furious. And with me, as per usual, is my dad, Bob Keckley. Hi, Bob. Hi, Murrin. It's good to see you again. Actually, I just I feel like I have to address actually, this. We're actually looking at each other, too. We are looking at each other through Zoom, as is the, as is the, the habit these days. Um, yeah, it works pretty well. I mean, I think people, uh, people are generally pro-Zoom it, it works pretty well. It's definitely been a good tool and uh, we use it for podcasting. We've done been, do, been using it for podcasting since before quarantine. I have at least, and a lot of people have. And so it's, uh, it's nice to have that uh, know-how coming into it. It's actually easier to have a conversation when you can see somebody. It is. <laughs> yes, uh, I agree. Uh, it is, it is a, nice, uh, a nice tool for this and for other things. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I, I wanted to address, uh, I call you Bob and, uh, that's just sort of how it's always been. I yeah. didn't say dad. I'm, uh, you know, sometimes you say dad and you know, it's, it's, oh, kind it's of weird like, when I do though. Yeah. It's usually <laughs> as a joke it yeah. and it never feels right to me. <laughs> well, that, you know, that I've thought about sometimes, I think that's partly because you were an only child. Yeah, I think so. And, that's a lot and, of it. And all you heard was uh, your mom and me talking to each other by our names. So you yes. just got used to yeah. that. Well, that's what their name is. And, you know, that's, that I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah, it's, it's how it's been. It's not going to change, uh, after, you know, part, halfway, through my, halfway through my life. Hopefully not halfway through my life. Uh, partially, you know, this, this far into my life, I'm not going to change it. Um, anyway, uh, we're, yeah, the, the best years of our lives. Here we are again. One last time. Minute. 70 uh and we, you know it's been a it's been a good journey um we start the minute uh with with uh fred and marie uh continuing to talk about uh just sort of their their greeting uh they have they've had a kiss at this point uh and i'm just looking through the minute at this point uh yeah come in honey where can where i can look at you oh you're marvelous all those ribbons you got to tell me what they all mean, but not now. Let me look at you again. And then she's like, well, how did you know I was here? And he goes into the explanation. Uh, well, I looked for you last night, but it was too late. And I didn't know which nightclub you were at. So here I am. Yeah. First for, in the last minute, she was indignant about him not finding her before. And now she's like, but how did you find me? Yeah. <laughs> so a little inconsistent there, but. They're figuring it out. So yeah, we we talked about this already. Uh, she just got out of bed. Um, they're sort of they're they're excited to see each other at this point. You know, it's still basically uh, the honeymoon phase of the relationship. Uh, I don't think they even had a honeymoon, probably because he was going to war. So it's they're still kind of like they're they're attracted to each other. So it's and that's kind of what's going on here. And they, you know, it's exciting that he's got home, come home, and he's a hero and. And uh, he's alive and he hasn't, uh, you know, lost his hands or anything like that. So, yeah, we, we know where things are going, but uh, this scene is still mostly positive. Yeah, we do know from the scene before that he does have PTSD 
yes we so we know there's not it's not all going to be uh you know a smooth road but they're they're happy to see each other i have another kiss at the end of the scene um i don't know much much more there is to say about that uh <laughs> yeah it's, it's just kind of a continuation of the, the minute before uh we don't really know what ribbons he got. One of them was for saving the guy in the airplane. I don't know if the movie ever goes. There's the scene with his, his parents where they, but they, I don't think they talk specifically about the medals and ribbons. They just, it's mostly about the one story. Well, uh, when he's not there, his dad reads the commendation yes. out loud. So yeah. that's the only way we're going to know what actually transpired although even that was not that clear on exactly what happened just that he did uh, you know uh, it would it would have been whatever he said happened or whatever the person he saved said and it you know it may not be they may not it would it may be difficult to recount exactly detail for detail what went on yeah mostly we know it was really traumatic for him and he's reliving it so. Yeah, that's the important part. And when his dad, that's, a, that's an interesting scene. And his, his parents are interesting. You don't see him too much, but they're kind of weird. And I think they're kind of poor, they're poor too. That's kind of the impression I got. Yeah, they're poor and they live on the outskirts of, of just barely uh, something you would call a neighborhood. Uh, on, it's kind of on the, on the water. Is that, am I thinking of that? Anyway, it's it's just a shack, basically. Yeah, it it's kind of yeah, kind of a dump, and I, I kind of forgot about that. And it's not in our minutes, but I don't know it's something else to talk about. And something uh, that is never explained, uh, as far as I can remember, is is that actually his mother? Because mm. he calls her by her first name, just like you call me. By oh, her. good memory! I didn't uh, remember that. I'm pretty sure that's what he does, and he calls his dad Pop. Yeah. But he calls her by his, maybe that's. Yeah, I kind of remember that second, dynamic. Like a second well. marriage. Um, and she seems a little younger than the dad, mm -hmm. but that's not that unusual. But maybe, you know, that's actually not his mother, but they never go there. They never explain it. No. Maybe it was in a. In a uh, it could have been cut out, yeah. Yeah, it could have been in more. the script and then they decided it wasn't important. But uh, it's interesting that they kept the part where. It doesn't seem like, I mean, he doesn't say, hi, mom, you know, Yeah. which, you know, in those days, that's more likely what would happen. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. an interesting backstory that isn't there, you know? Yeah. But those, uh, those are nice things when you, you just like, it, it is, you know, they're not just like stock parents that, you know, you just get two people who kind of look like him and call it good. Like they, they stood out in a, in a kind of a weird way. Yeah, and yeah, they, you wonder what's going on. You know, there, there's a, more of a story there, but it doesn't need to go into all the details because there's enough going on already. But it's just another. It makes it feel real again that it's that it's uh, there's more detail there than you need to have. Yeah, you that know, a in, script wouldn't have. In, in the scene that we're talking about, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that she never asks him where he was the night before. No, she doesn't. Uh, it comes she, up later when she asks, well, who is that girl or something? And then uh, do you know her? Or, and she know? doesn't know about Peggy yet, uh, Not she yet. because she hasn't, so. they haven't met. But yeah, she, she, and she doesn't, she knows that he didn't find her, but, uh, and he just says like, I, I looked around, you know, I, 
I think he said I, I looked at different nightclubs, or maybe that's later too. But he's he, she knows that he was looking for her, but yeah. he couldn't find her. Yeah, she could just assume that he stayed at his parents' house. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. She doesn't know that he stayed over at, at another place. But and no he doesn't bring it up either. No. No, I mean, that, that, that scene went all pretty quickly, so I, I don't think there's anything like, oh, he left it out on purpose necessarily. Well, still, I, I would say that it's, he's already feeling like, well, that's not something I want to own for, up to. Oh, yeah. He's already got feelings for Peggy, so he's kind of like leaving that out. Yeah, uh, I think just, that's fair. Yeah. And, yeah, and there, you're, again, there's, you know, I think it's interesting to see their, their meeting as opposed to uh, Frederick March and Myrna Loy, who are kind of awkward and not sure what to do. And it's, it's similar, except they're, they're younger and they're kind of like, Oh, we're, you know, she's, she's a very outgoing person. I think he kind of is too. So they're kind of like, okay, let's, let's just have this sort of very energetic greeting. Um, But they're not talking about anything of great depth. Right. And being as young as they are, they may sort of feel like, well, that's uh, what's expected. Uh, yeah, in, in this you know, playing kind of a, a part. Relationship. Yeah, and she's Which probably is, she knows what it's what she's supposed to do when the her soldier husband comes home. Probably seen that in movies, and uh, has, there's an idea behind that that she's just really okay. I know I need to you know show appreciation, and, and he's kind of like showing being the you know yeah I'm home, honey. Good to see. Yeah. You. I came to see my wife. Yeah, and and the wife I'm I'm so proud of showing off to the other soldiers yeah. with yeah. The, with the uh, bathing suit uh, picture. Yeah, uh, but you know that uh, also uh, is very consistent with what we find out about the relationship as it goes along. That it's all based on some kind of idealized image that isn't uh, based on reality. Each each one look at the other. Uh, unrealistically yeah i just i just had a thought we've been talking about like the the pinup girl as like virginia mayo is kind of that uh is that because it was just like you pin a poster to your locker or something yes that's exactly okay. right so they basically a poster yeah okay. that's right and they and so that's that's yeah that's where the term came from uh, I guess sure. that I don't know what else it would be, but I just always I never quite understood what that phrase came from. <laughs> yeah, and I guess they were always movie stars. I don't think they were just models. It was usually movie stars. Yeah, because part of it was famous. the the glamour yeah. of fame and, right. and stardom. Yeah, but it was always a, a swimsuit uh, picture, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what the soldiers would have on their locker, and you know that's what they. Uh, I even remember. Uh, I'm. Oh, yeah, there was a submarine movie uh, with Clark Gable. I think it was Clark Gable, but, uh, you know, they had a pinup girl on the, uh, on the wall right next to the door of the mess room. And yeah. whenever, I mean, I hate to, you know, this is kind of icky, but uh, whenever they were going to go to battle stations or something, everybody would go out that door and you know, pat the fanny of the girl. To, <laughs> for good for luck. luck or something. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's for right. sure. Uh, I haven't seen that movie, but I'm, that's totally familiar. I'm sure that's in maybe Top Gun or something. I'm sure they yeah. have something like that. That's what there's, they do. And, been and in that plenty was of the, movies. And indeed, that was when the days when there were no women in the yeah. services uh, doing combat and, you know, yeah. 
And I'm sure it continued to happen even when there were. Oh, unfortunately. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yep. All right. So let's move on to Al. Al. So we cut after, uh, they have another kiss and, uh, uh, Fred and, and Marie, and then we cut to Al, and he is eating breakfast at the table now. Uh, so it's not, they don't seem to acknowledge much of what was going on in the scene before. Uh, he was going to have breakfast in bed, but now it's not in bed anymore. Right. Uh, so I guess, I don't know, did they just trans- transfer the tray to the table, I imagine? Well, you know, they, it, it, the last scene ended when they're they, a big kiss. So yeah. we, we might just assume that they did something else in bed and then. Brought, That's what we assume. <laughs> but no, the movie, I, you know, it doesn't really. Yeah, it doesn't seem to acknowledge that too much in this scene. Uh, he's eating breakfast at the table, has a big bite of something. Get, put some jam on some toast, I think. And then she pour uh, Myrna Loy comes in and pours some coffee. See, I wasn't even sure, like, this could be lunchtime by now, except that he's drinking coffee, so I imagine it's still breakfast. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, we've already seen another scene, so some time has, has gone by, but uh, shouldn't have been that much. Yeah, we talked about the convention of time moving ahead in movies last episode. It's just, now, it, now it's come unhinged in my head, where it's like, <laughs> well, it could be any amount of time. We don't know. It doesn't say. right. Right. Anyway, he's eating breakfast and uh, he says, I wonder how Fred's getting along. Yeah. Yeah. He says, uh, Fred looks like he's able to take care of himself as far as I'm concerned. He says, I'm not sure about that. So this is sort of the beginning of them. It's kind of the beginning of the story where Peggy and Fred become involved and then they be sort of become the parents and sort of deal with that situation. He's worried about Fred as even though, again, Fred is a higher rank than he is. Fred is right. younger. Fred is, again, Fred, you know, he looks about 35 or 37, but he's supposed to be like 25. Um, and uh, he's a younger guy and he's not sure. And he was not doing well the night before. Um, I wonder, I wonder if they know about the dream. Oh, I'm assuming they don't. I don't think so, because they would have brought it up right now when he's talking about it. I mean, although, yeah, I don't think Al knows because he was asleep at the time. Yeah. And and he he was just, his wake up was, uh, he was still sort of disoriented. He didn't even remember who Fred was to start with. (laughs) (laughs) So he's still putting things together. But I wonder, I wonder if uh, Millie does. I mean, Peggy might have told her about it. Uh, it's possible i could imagine that and then she that's why she's like i'm not sure about oh no she's the one who thinks he's okay al al's concerned about him she's like i think he can take care of himself so yeah i I think peggy probably kept that to herself because that's a private thing al might be uh referring to just conversations that he had before when they were still um en route yeah Uh, yeah you know just all the all three of them had doubts about re-entering society one way or another uh, yes. so whatever uh, fred had shared with al on that occasion might be what's going on for al now yeah that, that seems that seems accurate i don't think he would remember anything that happened the night before uh, no. specifically uh, not that i think fred uh, mostly it was about al getting stinking drunk and the rest of them getting a little drunk <laughs> yes Yes, Fred. 
Fred was pretty drunk. I mean, he, he was when Peggy puts him to bed. He's kind of he's pretty disoriented. But yeah, not as much as Al. Yeah, not not in the nightclub or not at Butch's anyway. Uh, it was mostly about Al just completely losing it. Yeah. Uh, and I think when he when he got up when Al got up to uh, dance the first time and he goes over to Butch and says, "Do you know uh, Up Lazy River?" Uh, that's the name of the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and um, Butch says, uh, yeah, I think I can do that. Uh, well, that, there's an in-joke there because Up the Lazy River is, uh, he wrote that. Oh, nice. Hoagie Carmichael wrote that song. So oh, that's a, a little, wink. A tiny little wink in-joke in, in there. But anyway, at that point, uh, you know. That, that starts to bring up the question, like, is, so is Hoagie Carmichael a real, uh, a real person in the world of this movie? And is the actor Hoagie Carmichael playing someone else who knows of the works of Hoagie? Like then it's, it's yeah, hard yeah. to think about that too hard. It gets, it's kind of fun. That's a little bit meta. Yeah. <laughs> but they, if they just, they, they did it subtly enough where you don't even think about it. It's just a fun, right. like, I, I like stuff like that in that, like, yeah. movies. It's like stuff right. like that in movies. Right. I mean, he could have said, do I know it? I wrote it, but no, <laughs> that would have been too much. <laughs> <laughs> then it would have been. No, he just politely dumb. says, "Yes, I think I can do that one." Anyway, uh, I was just saying that you know, Al. The, the scene was mostly about Al. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that drunken scene. He was dancing in a in a crazy way with, with, <laughs> yeah. uh, with uh, Millie and uh, just completely. He really does a good job in that. You know, it is it is kind of funny, but kind of sad. Yeah. And he does yeah, a good exactly. job bridging that. He's like, he's he's doing some comedic sort of physical stuff, but he isn't he isn't uh, relinquishing the emotion of the moment either. And I right. think that's, I really appreciate right. performances like that, where you can have, you're, you're just like juggling. You're sort of inhabiting two, you're, you're you know, thinking about one thing dancing even if you're doing a dance and dancing and acting at once is already hard when you think about it i mean he's not doing a complex dance but it's still uh doing a lot of things at once and he he was he was very effective in that scene yeah and as far as his uh his drunken behavior being comedic uh just shows what kind of range he has because uh, as we talked about before he was uh he played a completely different kind of drunk in a star is born Mm mm-hmm Oh yeah, he, where, yeah. I forgot that he was he was the first in the first Star Is Born. Yeah, where he as was the, just, as the guy, and that was not com- comedy at all. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely it was a dark way story. Over dark, dark um, alcoholism. Uh, so yeah, he's he's uh, he's a good actor. He's a very good actor, and they yeah he did he won the Academy Award for this movie. So there you go. They get it. Yeah. They get it right sometimes. I yes, guess. that's right. That's right. Uh, he is. Uh, yeah, we talked about also that uh, this movie must have meant something to him because, uh, you know, he was involved yes. in starting the uh, Hollywood Anti-Nazi League. Uh, yes, yes, he found, he found this, uh, he brought this up uh, earlier and we saved it for this this moment. Um, yeah, I, I, I had heard of this, I think, but I, I didn't know much of the details. And uh, yeah, I, I'm sure it, it must have, this movie must have been personal for him for that reason. He was, you know, didn't actually fight in the war. Did he? No. I don't think so. He would have been uh, a little too too old, maybe, or, or just, who knows. Reasoning. Oh, that's an interesting question, too, because how old was Al? 
Too. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know how the draft worked in those days. I don't know how it's I, – I don't know much about it. Luckily, I've never had to live through one. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people went into the service voluntarily, too. In those, yeah, in, the, in, the, in that in war. The, that war. Uh, but previous to the war, in 1936, as I said, he, he was instrumental in starting this. Um, and this was before there was a lot of anti-Nazi sentiment in the United States. Yeah, where it was kind of like originally people weren't necessarily sure what side the U.S. would be on. Well, I think most people wanted to stay out of it. Just, just stay, mean, yeah, most just stay, stay out, out of it, it completely. And then, yeah. But they weren't ready to vilify Hitler yet. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of disagreement about what the truth was, what was really going on. Uh, and in terms of... Uh, the anti-Nazi League, uh, that was actually um, a communist front uh, organization, mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of people in it weren't communists. It was also uh, not started, uh, it was not expressly uh, a Jewish foundation, which a lot of the other similar ones were. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people were uh, in, interested in uh, doing this, uh, and it was a little different than most of the other ones had been. Uh, and uh, as far as Frederick March is concerned, uh, he was, uh, there were a lot of people in it that weren't communists, but then were later accused of being communists. Uh, and there was at that point, uh, a United States Communist Party, so, and which was totally legal but uh, there was a lot of sentiment against it because yeah. of the Red Scare. This was the second Red Scare. Yeah. Anyway, don't, we don't need to get in the weeds about a lot of history, but uh, he did, uh, uh, he was very much uh, on the left politically, and we don't really know too much about how he felt about the war, uh, but uh, he must have had very strong feelings about it uh, before, during, and after. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. uh, uh, he... I think you uh, you said you uh, we talked about the IMDb uh, picks for Dana Andrews. Yeah, they're, they're all for also uh, four for uh, Frederick March, and we talk, talked about three of them. I think uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Yeah, uh, this a star one, is a star is born. A star is born, and uh, the best year of our, our lives. The the other one that's mentioned is Seven Days in May. Okay. Which he did in a way over in, in 1964. Okay. Uh, so he was much older then, uh, probably in his late 50s or in, even in his 60s. I can't remember. I think he was born, let's see, 64. Yeah, he would have been all, uh, late 60s. Mm -hmm. So maybe the last one he did, I don't know. Uh, but uh, that was also a very interesting pick for him because, uh, again, he plays... Uh, the president of the United States, who was very much wanting to find peace by creating a, uh, a disarmament agreement mm -hmm. with Russia. Yeah. And uh, then his, two of his generals, played by Kirk Douglas and Burt Lancaster, oh. uh, <laughs> and they do a great job. It's a pretty good movie, actually. They decide they're going to do a coup. Or oh. try to do a coup and they start get this organized behind the scenes i can't remember exactly how it plays out other than that sounds interesting though yeah failing uh mm. but it's it's all about you know right versus left and you know 
whether it's politically a good idea to do, um, uh, you know, hard line stuff or diplomacy and, and all those issues are there. And I can't help but feel that Frederick March, again, had very specific feelings about mm -hmm. uh, that approach to politics and in that movie. So it was uh, appropriate that we he would take that role. Yeah, it's it's always um, it can be a powerful thing when uh, someone's uh, ideals can guide their artistic journey too. Yes, yes. Uh, they have something that really drives them, and in that way, that's a nice. That usually, and you know, ends up making something pretty good. Uh, it can add a lot of power to what you're doing. I, you know, a few more details about the anti-Nazi league. Um, another other members. Uh, there was another one I saw. Another member was Herman J. Mankiewicz, who uh, there's just a movie. A movie just came out about him, Mank, which yes, I have not seen right. yet. With uh, Gary Oldman. Yeah, he plays Mank. Yeah, uh, and he he's also known for uh, working on the screenplay for The Wizard of Oz and Citizen Kane. Those are his two big big ones, yeah. which are you know as big as they get, really. Yeah, uh, that's right. And uh, there, yeah, there's another instance again, an example of like you know, plenty of Americans who, I mean, well, we, we don't want to get too much into Walt Disney, but Walt Disney invited Lenny Riefenstahl to America and they protested that, that visit. Oh yes, that's right. That's right. I do remember that. So uh, yeah, there was a lot of uh, concern and, and uh, you know, yeah. a, a strong feelings about what was going on. And, you know, there was, uh, you know, just like today, there's a lot of, there was a lot of, um, you know, fake news. They didn't call it that then, yeah. I don't think. But, uh, you know, uh, a lot, there were claims that um, there was really uh, no anti-Semitism actually going on with the Nazis, that that was just a story that the communists were making up uh, to, you know, to, yeah. to, to inflame the public. It, it's interesting with that. Like in those days, it would have been because it was, you know, it's hard for an average person to get information outside of the newspaper or the radio. Yeah. Uh, and now it's more because there's just so much information, it's hard to say which one is right. Right. I think in those days, it was uh, uh, the, you only had a couple of newspapers and you had to just yeah. decide whether to trust them or not. I think they were more trustworthy, although not all of them were. So yeah. I think it was actually later, I, I read about this somewhere, that there was, uh, which I could remember when this was, but there was a certain time in history when uh, I think it was the New York Times decided that there should be a different attitude about truth. Mm -hmm. And before that, if you go way back in the earliest times of newspapers, they didn't even consider truth important. They considered selling papers important. So they could just make up stories, anything that would sell a paper, they'd make up stories and mm -hmm. nobody expect them to do anything else. But it was much later that the actual journalist ideal uh, came about uh, with, uh, you know, with Murrow and those other mm -hmm. people. But the I think integrity it, was, of journalism. it was before the, but yeah, there was a certain um, turning point that happened. I, I can't remember when it was, but I did read about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't think I knew, I quite knew that, that, it, you know, starting out, they they didn't start on the basis of uh, integrity and, and truth. 
No, and, uh, no. Yeah, it is. Just, it is. They were just selling papers. Yeah. Definitely more of a subjective thing than uh, than I ever thought, and you know, it's more and more being discovered that way. Anyway, that's a whole other can of worms. Um, yeah, Hollywood anti anti Nazi league. Uh, you know. Oh, another guy. Another guy. Um, a very familiar name that was part of that was Oscar Hammerstein. Oh. The uh, lyricist for so many uh, musicals. So, you, you know, you wonder, these people were very famous mm -hmm. uh, for doing things that were very popular with the public. Uh, and yet they were, you know, doing things also on the other side that uh, uh, outside of their career that uh, could have been and probably were very unpopular with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Well, good for him. Well, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about this minute in particular? Well, I, I, I was not clear when the minute ended. Is that, uh, it's when Al is having breakfast. Yeah. He's having breakfast. Uh, uh, let's, let's get the exact one here. Yeah. The minute ends uh, with him just saying, I'm not so sure about that, about Fred taking care of himself. Yeah, and so that's all, uh, as we said, uh, uh, maybe a reference back to this, his initial conversations with mm. Fred, but also uh, maybe a, a way to um, just signal that there's some, some fuzziness coming up about his, Fred's character and what we might expect from him. Yes, uh, yeah, and, and the, the sort of the relationship shifting, I think, as I said before, where he is, you know, coming back home, Fred was initially, he was the higher rank and he was the hero, but coming home, Al, now that he's sobered up, is he's the one who's sort of concerned and already starting to maybe feel a little fatherly toward him. Right, exactly right, yeah. Yeah, I, I was just watching this minute again. Uh, it reminds me of a, a quote I heard. I'm gonna, I don't, I'm gonna paraphrase it, but there is a minute of, a moment of just uh, Al having breakfast and he uh, picks up a cup, sets it down, picks up some toast. And uh, I don't know, I, I just re recently rewatched Singing in the Rain where they talk about, you know, they started having microphones on set. And before it was silent oh, yeah. movies where they didn't even worry about microphones whatsoever. Um, and all the, but it's, it was interesting to see all the trouble that they get into trying to figure out where to put the microphones and because they weren't, you know, the they were pretty, Oh, they're older and they you you couldn't just put it anywhere and it'll pick up anything um but I, I, there is a Cary grant quote where he was responding to someone saying like actors are you know it's just an easy job uh being a movie star you know you, you just got to show up and look pretty and say the lines and he's like well there's more to it than that you have to remember your lines and you know hit, hit your mark and there was something you had a, one part where he talked about you have to, if you drink from a glass, you have to set it down softly so it doesn't, you know, ring, you know, set off the microphone. Oh yeah, much. yeah. All the all the props have to be silent or at least sort of silent. Yeah, as close to as you can get, you know. And nowadays in movies, I don't think you have to worry about it too much because they, they I can edit anything out, and the sound editing technology is so much farther than it was that if someone, you know sets down a glass extra hard the microphone will muffle it just a little more because they're better microphones and also you can edit it down but yeah in those days it was just tape or or what what would it some do they have tape then <laughs> i don't even know in 1946 originally it was when in singing in the rain it was uh wax 
Oh know. yeah, yeah. But no, now this it might would, be this some would kind have of tape. been videotape, yeah, that 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 combines the sound. I think I oh boy, I'm no expert. Uh but yeah, they've come a long way since then. Uh yeah, so you wonder, well, did uh old Al have to put down his coffee cup uh, carefully? And uh, what about that toast? Was it crunchy or not? Yeah, you know? <laughs> there's a great, great, did you ever see Phantom Thread? No. Oh, that's a great movie. I loved it. I, I mean, I'm, I, I, uh, I'll eat up anything uh, Daniel Day-Lewis does and, and Paul Thomas Anderson, just about. Oh, yeah. Great movie. Uh, there's a great scene where they're having, there's a very tense breakfast scene and someone comes in and starts spreading butter on toast and they turn up the sound on the, oh, good the idea. toast. Yeah, and it's just yeah. this crunching sound of the, right. the, the, the knife hitting the toast. And it's so effective. It's funny. It's like, <laughs> and you, you can just see how annoyed the other people in the scene are that they're, I, I, they need, you know, Daniel Day Lewis character has a big thing. I like, I need silence, you know, in the early in the day, I need silence so I can think. And then this person comes in and starts spreading toast very, very obnoxiously. Yeah, that's <laughs> And you can just see he's just not, he's, he's at the end of his rope just from this one thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I remember on occasion when I'm just in the right mood or something is funky with my, my psyche, um, I can be writing with a pencil on a piece of paper and I can hear it too well. Mm -hmm. you know, the sound of the pencil. Uh, but it's because of me, you know, it's something yeah. about, I think it's about, um, you know, just a state of mind more than how my ears are working. Uh, but I've had that experience more than once. Uh, and, and then I recently, I was reading a book uh, where that happened to the character in the book mm. uh, because they were so upset about something. Uh, and this, every little sound was kind of just making them jump. And, and it was like they were just uh, scratching uh, on, the, on the blackboard or something, but uh, every sound that yeah. was coming. Well, it, it was it because is a of a psychological condition. Yeah, well, I mean, most people would say nails on a chalkboard, uh, that's a phrase, you know, everyone says, like nails on right. a chalkboard is unpleasant to just about everyone. And to me, for me, even someone writing with chalk on a chalkboard is is kind of unpleasant mm -hmm. yeah. um and i think a pencil on paper isn't quite to that level but it's it's toward that level i think it's toward that end of the spectrum almost yeah well if it's if it seems too loud to you like it has for me on occasion i think it's just because i'm in some kind of mood <laughs> okay yeah yeah it is it is all internal you know how we how we react to things yeah, the brain is more uh, attuned to things than, than all the organs that connect it, you know. So mm -hmm. if, if something seems too loud, it's probably not your ears that are doing it, but your brain. Yeah, I've been doing this uh, meditation course through an app called Waking Up. And uh, I've been, I meditate kind of regularly. I don't do it for very long, usually 10 or 15 minutes at most, you know, most days, but not every day. This course, uh, waking up through the app, it, it uh, it's starting to talk about. I think it's transcendentalism almost, where it's like try to let go of the idea that what you're seeing in front of you is our objects. It's just light. It's just light oh, in different patterns. Yeah. And you know, let go of the feeling that you're sitting on the couch. You're just. It's just feeling. 
it's just a cloud of feeling you yeah and then ideas like uh how do you know where the center of your consciousness is you assume it's behind your face but try to look for that try to try to find where that is and it, just, it gets a little fuzzy anyway i'm just going on a weird tangent now to oh, just pad well, the episode <laughs> oh i think that's fascinating yeah yeah you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's very challenging. I, I get, I often get frustrated. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And then I'll think about it later and be like, okay, I think I kind of get it. But it's uh, it's a lot of new stuff for me. You know, the whole idea that uh, our, our center of thought is uh, behind our face is, you know, it's true physiologically, as far as we know. Well, most that, of our senses are in the, are in our head, our yeah. hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, but you know, there we didn't always think so. In ancient Greek, they thought everything came from the heart, because they hadn't mm-hmm. done the, you know, they hadn't figured that out yet. In fact, the the word record uh, means literally to learn by heart. Mm-hmm. And to learn okay. by heart was an old expression from ancient Greece because that's where you would learn it in your heart, not in. Your and head. that's not just like memorize. We say like you know, memor- know it by heart is like I have memorized perfectly, but to them, just learning anything was learning it by the heart. That's right, because they didn't know. That's about how the brain you. That's yet. how you learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't know that the brain was the nerve center and stuff like that. Yeah, but when you say uh, we we think, oh, all our senses are going into our brain, oh, that's a little subjective. We don't really, I mean, we know it's true because that's what the uh, physiologists say, mm-hmm. but we don't actually feel it go yeah. back into our brain. <laughs> anyway, weird, weird, wild stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, do you have anything else to say about uh, Al being unsure about Fred or... Uh, no, I think that covers it. Uh, yeah. I think we're we're good. It's been interesting to sort of wrap up the whole the whole chunk. It's been interesting doing uh, movies by minutes podcasts on an older movie. I feel like it does move a little slower. You know, there was whole there were minutes where there wasn't any dialogue uh, or not too much happened. I don't think any of it was not engaging but just talking about it was a little different for me than talking about what I've done before point break. Obviously the fast and furious movies are fast and furious. You know, they're the, if they weren't, it would be false advertising. Uh, and this is not that. So it's, it's interesting. It's sort of, it's the density is not quite there of the action. Um, yeah, that's true. And not of the action. And yet we did find enough little good. tiny extra subtle details. Yeah. That, that that's meant the idea. Lot. That's yeah. the exercise. And yeah, I, plenty of I, interesting stuff to talk about, you know, about yeah. war and psychology and, and all that stuff. And, but yeah. Uh, yeah, details like the flowers that she... Uh, that was uh, such a good detail. That was one of my highlights for this 10 yeah. minutes chunk, I think. It was such an interesting detail. And, and uh, gave, you know, we weren't really sure exactly what it meant, but it was a different, couple different ways you could interpret yeah. it. So that, yeah. that was definitely one of the most interesting it. moments. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, being a part of this little project. It was so such a pleasure for me. I'm, I'm glad I did it. Absolutely. Me too. Well, until next time, uh, you'll, you'll be uh, hearing another host next. I, I won't be coming back for this one. So whoever's next, uh, enjoy, enjoy what they have to bring to this. Hopefully it'll be a lot of different stuff. Uh, you can find the Best Minute Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site, thebestminutes.com. 
Uh, social media is available at Butch's Place, the best years of our lives, Listener's Cafe. That's Hoagie Carmichael, of course. That's on a, a Facebook group and uh, on Twitter at The Best Minutes. At The Best Minutes. Uh, there are over 170 other Movies by Minutes podcasts also available at moviesbyminutes.com. And you can check out that site for more great shows like the ones I do, Point Break Minute, Cast and the Furious. They're both on there. Star Wars Minute, of course. That was the sort of a, what set off the whole trend. And uh, join us next time with the new host uh, on the Best Minutes podcast. Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.